needed this thing so I could stick it through the door like I was those wings or spray paint the wings red or I'm going to break it. My head's too big. So, uh, yeah, we are in week two, and I can't do this. <laughs> Sorry. We are in week two of talking about spiritual forces. So last week we talked about angels, right, uh, and, and saints and what happens when we die and the Holy Spirit. And that was talking about the spiritual forces of good. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 that there are these spiritual forces, that there are spiritual forces of evil, and that that's who we're kind of fighting against, and there are spiritual forces of good who are there to be with us and encourage us and strengthen us and let us know that even when we feel like we are all alone, we're not alone. So today, we're going to talk about the flip side of that idea, the spiritual forces for bad or for evil or, or the dark side, as they call it, in Star Wars. You know, like there are all these other things. Slytherin, I guess. If you're a Harry Potter fan, which, by the way, I have been sorted into the house of Slytherin. So. But before we get into this, would you pray with me? God, we uh, come here this morning through various means. I mean, it's not a new thing for you to call us together in your name. But it is together in a way where some of us are physically present with one another and some of us are present in spirit and watching online. And we're grateful for all of that. So this morning, Lord, I pray that as we think about spiritual things, that we would be reminded of your love for us and your grace and the hope that you bring to the world through your Son and through us. God, we love you, and we ask you to make yourself known to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was a kid, um, I remember looking in like picture Bibles of stories about evil, and I remember seeing like in a few picture Bibles, I didn't have one like this, but I do remember one that was in, at my church in the Sunday school classroom that I went to that had a picture of the devil that was just like, you know, like almost like an angel. Is there a picture? Do we have a picture? Well, like that guy, except a little more artistically drawn than this guy, right? And we have this idea of the devil having red horns and a pointy goatee and a tail with like an arrowhead on the end of it and goat hooves for feet, and carrying around a pitchfork. But that's not reality, you know? That's not how the devil actually exists. And it would be awesome if that is how the devil existed, because the devil would be less nebulous and would be less scary, because it would be a cartoon character, not something other. But for us to talk about what the devil really is, and what evil really is... Oh, Stan... That's what I like to get, Stan's coffee. So we, um, I need to do a little bit of history because our minds have been tangled up a little bit by the way art and culture and cartoons and poetry and scary books have written about this idea of the devil or Satan. And so I want to detangle some of that for us this morning but to do that, we have to talk about the history of where this idea comes from. So if you look, if you start off by looking in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, as most Christians call it, 
there is only one example in the entirety of the Hebrew Bible where there's the idea of evil being personified, and that's in the book of Job. Now, the book of Job is not meant to be a historically accurate book. It's a story that tells us some truths, right? Like, I hope you understand that there's a difference between truth and accuracy. And the story of Job is 100% true, but it was never written in a way to be 100% accurate. But it teaches us some good theology and some understanding of who it is that God is and what this idea of evil is about. And so in the book of Job, early on, we come across this scene where uh, the angels of God are before the throne of God, and they're there apparently having conversations and worshiping with God. And there's one that is called the adversary. And the adversary is translated as the Satan. It's a Hebrew word, the Satan, that means adversary. And so you may see it in your Bible written as Satan. You may see it written as the adversary. You may see it written as some other thing along those same lines. But the adversary says to God, hey, have you ever considered your servant Job? He kind of has the whole world laid out in front of him. And I have a feeling that if we took any of that away from him, that he would stop being so dedicated to you and loving you so much. And God's like, I think you're wrong, Mr. Adversary. And if you want to test this whole thing out, you have my permission. And so the story goes that Job loses everything and still has love for God. In the famous words of Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the first time that there's an idea of evil personified. And it's the only time in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament that we see that at all. Now, something happened in what we call the intertestamental period, the time between the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament and the Christian scriptures or the New Testament. And that's about a 400 period, uh, roughly 400 years between the end of the Old Testament time and the beginning of the New Testament time. 400 years worth of things happened. And one of the things that happened is this nation called Israel. The Hebrew people had formed a nation and they called it Israel. Israel had been conquered a couple of times by different forces that had come in and the, the, the temple had been destroyed and their religion had been separated. And they knew themselves to be the chosen people of God a city on a hill that's set apart to show the light of God to the entire world. How could they do that with all of these things happening to them as a people? The other thing that happened is their theologians and scholars started trying to figure out what in the world is going on. If God is good, and God knows everything, and God is all-powerful, then how are these evil things happening? In theology, we call that the study of theodicy, the problem of evil in a world or in a universe that is created and maintained and controlled by a good and loving God. So, the New Testament starts off, and really early into it, we have this idea of an adversary. The Satan is back. Because their understanding, our understanding, is that God is good, 
And God is loving, but God is not responsible for all of the evil that happens in the world. There, is got, there has got to be something else that causes some of the evil to happen. And we'll talk a little bit about how that plays itself out into personal responsibility also in a moment. But we first meet this adversary, this Satan, this devil, so to speak, when Jesus is driven out into the wilderness after Jesus' baptism. Remember, Jesus is baptized, and as he comes up out of the water, like whether he's coming up from immersion or walking up off of the banks of the river or coming up out of the puddle that he had kneeled down in, we don't know exactly how much water was used in Jesus' baptism. But we do know that as he was coming up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended like a pigeon, or dove, I prefer pigeon, as you know. And the words were heard by the people there, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. The very next thing we hear about happening in the gospel stories that talk about Jesus' baptism is the Holy Spirit drives him or pushes him out into the wilderness. And the next words that we know that Jesus heard is the adversary saying, if you are the Son of God. Tell these stones to turn themselves into bread. The adversary is there to cause Jesus to question the words of the Creator speaking down upon Him. Just like the adversary still today causes us to question who it is that we are and who claims us as their own. That's why when I baptize someone, I make sure to say to them, Listen, there is going to be a day that you fail. That it's just a bad day. That you blow your, you lose your temper. You act in the most inappropriate ways. You just fail in being the kind of person that you truly are. That does not define you. Don't let the adversary come in and say, Oh, wait, if you are a child of God. Because you are a child of God. And there's going to be a day that you're highly successful and everything seems to be going your way. And on those days, you don't celebrate the fact that that is who you are because we're not defined by our failures or our successes. We're defined by the fact that God says, you are mine, and I love you, and there's nothing you can do about that. So the adversary comes along and tries to cause Jesus to question Jesus' identity. And Jesus rebukes Satan, the adversary. So right away in the New Testament, we come across this idea that there are spiritual forces that represent the evil that happens in our world. And our job is to do all of the good that we can in opposition of that evil. Now, with all of that said, I know there are some of you who are like, okay, cool, so there's this history, like the, the, the Satan only appears once in the Old Testament but pops up right away in the New Testament. It was a way for the Israelite people, the Hebrew people who were the nation of Israel to kind of determine theologically like what is going on when something bad happens in a world that is built and controlled by a God that is good. What is going on with that? It's called theodicy, the study of that, the trying to understand it. 
But at the base, the devil and demons in the Bible were a way of describing an unexplainable force that seems to be at work in the world. Have any of you ever encountered something that you would say, that is evil? You all should raise your hands. Because have any of you ever heard of a child being harmed by an adult? That is evil. In a real way. Have you ever heard of another adult doing harm to another adult based on their gender or orientation? If you have, you know of evil happening. If you've ever watched the Twin Towers fall, you have seen evil happening. If you ever talk to soldiers who come back from war and are torn apart inside by things that they saw, you know evil is real. Sometimes it's one person. Sometimes it's a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand people doing things to other people that are bad and evil. And it's real. But even on a smaller sense, have you ever had, like, you're trying to do good, you're trying to start something, you're trying to build something, like, there's this good that you're trying to do, whether it be at your work or in your house or amongst your friends, and every time you turn around, it's like you're coming up against some sort of wall that is keeping you from doing what it is that you want to do. If you haven't, Jump into ministry here at this church because you will encounter evil. And I don't mean it in a way of like all kinds of dancing shadows and scary stuff. It's like just something that makes it hard to do the work that is supposed to be good. You've encountered it. I know you have. So I think that there are basically two ways that people generally think about the idea of the devil or Satan or demons and evil things. One is that we just dismiss it. It's all baloney. It's kind of ridiculous. And we're going to dismiss that idea. And in pop psychology today, there's a notion that there is no such thing as evil, that people are good. And that sometimes good people make bad choices. That's true. We all know good people who have made bad decisions. We all are good people who have made bad decisions. But to dismiss it all as just kind of nonsense and baloney and superstition and all of that is to, is to minimize the fact that there is real evil happening. And in our baptism vows, which you'll get to see a couple of baptisms in the upcoming weeks, I think, whether it's online or here in this room, you will hear me say to people, will you do everything within your power to fight against oppression and evil and things that cause other people torment in every way you possibly can. And the people being baptized will say, yes, I will. But if we just blow it all off and are like, ah, that's not real, that's just some sort of whatever, 
People are good. They just sometimes make bad decisions. It takes away our ability to be aware of the spiritual forces of evil in the world and to fight against them. I know that in my life, there have been times where... Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a time that I know for sure I was up against something spiritual. Uh, I was planting a church in Abilene, Texas, and I was invited to go to a house for lunch. And, uh, and I was invited by a seminary professor from Perkins School of Theology at, at SMU in Dallas. She was going to be in town, and uh, she was part of an organization called the Missional Wisdom Foundation. And their whole idea was to try to get people to live in small missional communities. So if you lived in an apartment complex, to try to find several other people in that apartment complex to like get together with and study the Bible and have meals and commit to a way that you were going to live your life together. Same thing in a neighborhood and just kind of try to start these little missional communities all throughout a region. And so she was having me go to this apartment complex because she was connected with a group of people who lived in that apartment complex who had moved to the United States from Africa. They were resettled here by the International Rescue Committee, which was started by Einstein. And it was an amazing organization. You should check it out. And I had a relationship with the IRC. She knew that. I had a relationship with her. So she invited me to this house. And I walked in, and there were several African people who couldn't speak English there. And so we were trying to communicate. And the next thing I know, the house is packed. The little apartment is literally packed to the brim with people. And they're praying, and they're singing songs, and everybody that would come in seemed to have like a bigger and bigger plate of food. I couldn't believe how much food was there. And I thought I was just going for lunch, and about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we finally started to eat lunch. And at the end of my time with them, I, now, remember, I was planting a church, and it's hard work, and it's really hard to get people to become part of something new. Because you're not going to start a church with non-Christians. So you've got to get a handful of Christians together who have a vision for this project, and then they have to have a vision for reaching out to people who don't go to church anywhere. And that's where the struggle was for us, was getting the people who don't go to church anywhere to trust that there's a safe place to go to church. And so these African people looked at me, and in broken English, one of them said, we want you to be our pastor. We want to be your church. And I couldn't figure out how. Because all I could think about was the cultural differences, the language differences, how am I going to pastor people that they don't understand what I'm saying and I don't understand what they're saying. And fear took over. And Guillermo, I'm sad to say that I told them, I can't. The fear... I promise, was brought to me by our adversary. Now, I don't believe in one singular Satan. 
I don't believe that there are little demons dancing around trying to get us to do things we're not supposed to do. But I do believe that there are things within us, that, within the world, that cause us to have fear and cause us to make the wrong steps and cause us, allow us, push us to make bad choices. But ultimately, we are responsible. I should have said, I would love to be your pastor. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But what I do know is there are spiritual forces of good who are going to come in and support me and strengthen me and sustain me. And there's this great cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us saying, run and finish the race. Keep going. We're going to cheer you on. And the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen you to allow you to pastor these people who are so different from you, you can't even imagine. And it's going to be the most amazing thing you've ever experienced. But instead, I said, I can't even imagine how this would happen. I can't do it. And it's not giving credit (coughs) to the spiritual forces of evil that I said that. It's taking away from myself and that I lived in fear instead of courage. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And I was walking with a spirit of cowardice that day instead of love and courage and self-discipline. There are other people, I think, that are too into this stuff. Like, that believe every bad thing that happens is not their fault because the devil made them do it. Satan tempted me. The demons that I fight, you know, like, okay, there are spiritual forces of evil in the world, but we have responsibility for our own lives as well, and we can't pass that responsibility off to other things that aren't there that we can't see. We have a role to play in our lives. I should have stood up tall, recognized my faith, and said, you know what, I would love to be your pastor. We're going to figure this out together. It's going to get messy, but it's going to be amazing. I should have stood in that place instead of walking the path of cowardice. And I know there are people like, oh, pastor, but that's not cowardice. That is cowardice, and I can own that. But if we focus too much on the evil things in the world, the adversary in the world, I think it takes away our human uh, responsibility and it makes evil inevitable and makes us helpless to dismiss it. We have a role to play. This idea of lifting up evil in the world and holding it up and saying these spiritual forces are so powerful are the reason that oftentimes Christians come across as being (coughs) incredibly judgmental. Because oftentimes we will see somebody who's different and think about somebody who thinks differently than we do or votes differently than we do or lives differently than we do. And what do we call them? That's evil. When that is not evil, that's called difference and complexity. And if we walk in courage and curiosity, how is it that you can 
live that way. Help me understand. Help me understand how you voted this time, because I don't really get that. Instead of demonizing other people, we can pull them in in a loving and hope-filled way, because we have nothing to be afraid of. The other thing that I worry about for people who put too much emphasis on the devil or whatever we want to call it is that they give an opportunity for this thing to get a foothold within us. When we focus on something, like if we're walking along and I'm like, hey, don't look at that, you're going to look at it. And if I say, don't focus too much, I'm afraid you're going to focus too much, but don't focus too much. Focus on the good that's in the world and walk in that direction. Don't let the bad things get a foothold in you. Have you ever had one of those days where like one or two things start to go wrong and then the next thing you know, like all you're doing is complaining about every single thing that's happening in the whole wide world and nobody wants to be around you and you don't even want to be around you because you can't get out of this negative space, but it just keeps the snowball and snowball and snowball and get bigger. Anybody ever been there or am I the only crazy one? Glad to know I'm not the only crazy one. That's evil. We don't want to be those people. We don't want to to step into these spaces of negativity and let them take control of us. So what we do to fight that is we focus on the good in the world, but not in a Pollyanna, cheesy kind of way. In a real way, what is good in the world? And where? And how does that lead us to worshiping God more? Because we have the power and the strength to resist. So if you were to ask me, hey Ross, do you believe in the devil? And what you meant is Stan, the cartoon character, ordering coffee? I would say absolutely not. I do not believe in the devil in that way. I don't think that the Bible wants us to believe in the devil in that way. But if you said, Ross, do you believe in some sort of supernatural force in the world that causes people to step into an evil and dark place? And that sometimes it feels personal and sometimes it feels personified? I'd say, yeah, I definitely do. Because I've experienced it in my life and I've experienced it over the course of my career as a pastor in churches. I've talked to people who've experienced evil in their lives and it takes on all kinds of different forms from abuse to drug abuse to alcohol abuse to sexism to racism to corporate greed. I've seen how it causes families to fall apart. I've seen how it causes people to come into places of despair where they do self-harm. It's real. But here's the good news. Because I don't want to be called dark cloud, like, oh gosh, we went to church to find hope and this guy just scared the heck out of us. Evil might win a battle or two, but the war has been decided. Evil may have won a battle or two, but the war, it's already decided. 
No? I'll say it again. Evil may have won a battle or two, but the war has been decided. This is where you say, Amen. Amen. Evil may have won a battle or two, but the war has been decided. Thank you. That's like saying sick them to a dog when you say that to a preacher. You know it, right? Listen, there was this day where Jesus gathered with his disciples. And they ate a meal together. It was the Passover meal. And after that meal, Jesus walked with his friends out into a garden to pray. And across the distance, some lights start coming their way. I don't know if they were torches on a stick or if they were lanterns of some sort. But they see lights coming. And Jesus knows what is about to happen. He had prayed, God, if you can take this from me, take it from me. I don't want to have to fight this type of evil. I don't want to have to do it. So if you can take it from me, take it from me. And the lights come anyway. And they arrest Jesus. And they take him to a kangaroo court and find him guilty of who knows what. Because all Jesus had ever done was offer love and hope and grace to people. Even when he was calling out the evil that the church of the time had gotten itself caught up into, the only reason he was calling it out is because he loved them. And he wanted them to have a better whole life. But instead, they murdered him. Full-on murder. With people watching and cheering the whole thing on. And even before that, they tortured him. Evil won the battle. But three days later, this woman named Mary, who some people had probably been in some sort of indentured servanthood where her body was being forced to be used to get out of that indentured servanthood. And Jesus befriended her and helped rescue her from that evil of indentured servanthood. This woman named Mary goes early in the morning to the graveside of Jesus to grieve there because she didn't know what else to do. And they were all in hiding and she sneaks down and it's still dark. And my guess is her shins get cut up and her feet get, her toes get stubbed because she's walking through the desert up and down hills in the middle of the night because she can't be seen in the daylight. And she gets there and as just as the sun is coming up and she's considering if she should be there at all, she realizes that the stone has been rolled away. And the story varies a little bit from this point on, but basically what happened next was she was angry because somebody had stolen his body, not just had they tortured him and murdered him for literally doing nothing but good in the world. The evil forces murdered him Now she's just enraged because they took his body and she turns to the gardener who's standing there and she's like, listen, man, tell me where you put his body. I'll take care of it. And she says that she heard him say, Mary. And she recognized the voice of Jesus. 
and she saw him. She realized that the war had been won. That's the story of death and resurrection. Evil will win a battle. But Jesus is called Christus Victor, Christ the Victor, because death has been overcome, because evil will never win, because love conquers all. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Let's pray. God, there's so much stuff that we do not understand. We don't understand how you could be good and all-knowing and all-powerful and still evil things happen to people. We don't get it. We don't understand why evil still gets to win some battles because we do know that the war has already been won. And God, we are so afraid sometimes to do the right thing because it's going to be scary and it's going to be hard and, and we're going to face more... Uh, more um, more adversarial things. God, I, I know that there are those of us in this room and that are watching online who feel challenged every time we turn around to try to do good for the world. Give us strength. And Lord, I know that there are people who just feel like everything keeps piling up on them, that they can't get their head above water to even catch a breath of air because everything is challenging them. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them the breath that they need. And God, for those of us who are walking through life on paths of ease, help us to be aware of people who are not walking on those paths so that we can step in and do good and help them. Make us aware, God, of places that need more light, and more hope, and more love. And give us the strength and the courage and the self-discipline to resist evil every single time we encounter it. All for your glory. Amen.